Welcome to Tax Breaks, the Moody's Tax Podcast, where you find informed discussion, lively debate, and sometimes a little lighthearted fun around tax issues in Canada, the United States, and around the world. Good day. My name is Kim Moody. I'm here with my colleague, Kenneth Kyle. Kenneth, good to see you again. Seems like we're getting a, into a little bit of a rhythm here at these podcasts. So today we're going to talk about, yeah, we'll keep it up. The, the uh, topic today is going to be the proposals of the alternative minimum tax uh, on some key impacts like uh, charitable giving and capital gains realizations and trusts and pretty broad topic today, Kenneth. So, you know, why don't we start off with a little bit of the history the alternative minimum tax, AMT, we'll call it for purpose of this uh, podcast. When did that first come into being, and and why is it in the Income Tax Act already? It came into being back in 1985, and 1986, as you know, Kim. Yeah. And I think now, I would only have been five back then, but I think back <laughs> back then that was the days of uh, tax shelters and and partnerships that like doctors and dentists buying partnerships that just keep giving them losses. And people didn't pay much tax. Oh, that's what it was when you were five years old, was it, Kenneth? <laughs> I wasn't even in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is I'm much, much older than uh, you. Is that what you're saying? Oh, slightly. Slightly. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, let's just say there was lots of tax-sheltered stuff going on. Although it's hard to pin down in the literature, I, I, you know, that, that was right around the time that I was inter- started to get involved in tax and interest in tax. Um, I was in my late teens and in deciding what I was going to do. And, but I remember the controversy in the newspapers about the introduction of this alternative minimum tax and how it was a response to the U.S. alternative minimum tax regime and to try and make sure that the rich pay their fair share. And I think you've got the 1985 budget papers in front of you there, Kenneth. What, what is the key line there that... Uh, you know, when they first introduced the proposal back in 1985, that the Department of Finance said that, you know, they wanted to consult with Canadians on, on this. Because why? Because the measure will have the effect of increasing the tax liability of those high-income individuals who use the tax incentives provided by the current law to structure their affairs so as to pay little to or no tax. Yeah. This initi- initiative will thus enhance the fairness of the tax system. You know, that... I always find that statement interesting, right? Um, and I think a lot of tax practitioners find that interesting. So you have provisions in the Income Tax Act that are there, and they're there for a reason, usually to incite or incent, I think is a better word, incent behavior. But if you use them too much or you use them at all, mm, uh, we're going to put you under this alternative regime so that you pay your fair share. I, I mean, that, that to me is a, a bit of an oxymoron. A bit. But, but keep in mind, the alternative minimum tax uh, under existing rule has a carry forward period, meaning if you pay the AMT, you have seven years to, to, to uh, claim it against regular income tax. So I guess the, I guess the message is, Fine, use the um, incentive provided by the current law, but just don't use it too often because if you use it, if you use it too much in one year, you have another seven years of paying regular income tax to, to come it back. So I guess it's like, uh, God made steak tastes really good, 
But if you steak. eat it, uh, steak, <laughs> steak. Okay. But if you eat it every day, you're gonna get fat. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, that's a crazy analogy, but I see what you're saying.、Um, so maybe that's a good segue to say, what is AMT?、Um, I mean, it was introduced in the Act, and I think it was 1986.、Um, and as we already said, it was to you know to try and make sure the the rich pay their fair share. So the architecture of the AMT is basically like this: calculate your normal taxes using your normal credits and deductions that that you're that are available to you. But then you have to calculate your taxable income under the so-called alternative minimum tax way, where all these preference items、uh, are recalculated, and then you recalculate your your tax,、um, and then subtract an exemption, which is currently forty thousand dollars from that.、Mm-hmm. And if it turns out that after you calculate your alternative minimum tax method minus the exemption. And if your AMT tax, if you want to call it that, is more than your regular tax, then the difference between AMT and the regular is what you need to pay,、mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we refer to as AMT. And that amount can be carried forward. You, you have to pay it, but that amount can be carried forward to be applied against your future taxes to a maximum of seven years. So in the next year, let's say all you earn is just salary income, and you didn't take any tax preferential item. You will let's say have fifty thousand dollars of regular income tax, and that regular income tax,、uh, to keep it s- simple, can actually be reduced by the AMT、right. you paid in the、uh, in the prior year. So overly simplified, it's a prepayment of tax, right? In a best case scenario, it's a prepayment of tax. The government holds onto your money without paying interest. Right.、Uh, for seven years. Yeah, but if you have t- if you take a lot of preferential item. Every year in the next seven years, you will not have a chance、right. to get that back. I、then、guess it, is the then it becomes、thing. a permanent tax,、mm-hmm. right? So you got to manage that very carefully. So, Kenneth, has the architecture? I mean, we can debate whether or not that policy makes sense under today's you know regime. Certainly, the rich do pay their fair share, in my view, and I've written about this lots and commented lots. But you know, is there really a policy place today for alternative minimum tax? It's definitely there. There are there are taxpayers who who use sort of arrangement to pay you know not not too much tax, but I think the alternative minimum tax system is it's an outdated system. Like if there are tax preferential items that are too generous, maybe the better system is just to ratchet that back rather than use an AMT system that nowadays is more just a more like a trap for the unwary. Yeah. I, I think it's a trap. I think it's unnecessary. I don't know. There's some tax practitioners who we certainly respect who have, you know, publicly called for the repeal of the alternative minimum tax, and I tend to agree with that. But beyond that, you know, the architecture of the AMT really hasn't changed at all、mm-hmm. since its introduction in 1986, right?、Uh, I mean, there's been some little tinkerings here and there, but beyond that, it really hasn't changed much at all. Fast forward to 2021. And the Liberals make an announcement in their election policy platform documents, and you know it was a, if I recall correctly, a one sentence or maximum two sentences where they said、uh, under their tax measures that they were going to introduce a fifteen percent minimum tax f- to ensure that individuals <laughs> pay their fair share. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. yeah. It's, and I, I think we weren't alone in the tax community when we read that, and we thought. 
the hell are they talking about? We already have that system. It's we already have AMD. it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called AMD. <laughs> so we, we kind of laughed at it because whoever wrote that in, in the policy documents clearly didn't understand tax. Uh, and if they did, or if we misread it as a tax practitioner, they certainly could have done a better job of describing it. So fast forward, and we just kind of you know, dissed it behind the scenes and laughed about it. And uh, But fast forward to 2022 in the federal budget, and they reconfirmed that they're going to do something on, on this. And again, we kind of thought, whoa, Jesus, maybe they are going to try to do some sort of minimum 15% tax. Mm, like and then... What would they do? Tinker the existing system, fraud the existing system, and put in something much more draconian? Yeah. And then when they confirmed in that 2022 federal budget that they're still committed to this, it was like, ooh, this could be fairly broad-based. And so got a little bit worried. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to 2023, and it was, oh, okay. The federal budget announced that they're going to amend the existing AMT structure. There is no mention of a minimum 15% tax. And so it's pretty obvious to me they abandoned that 15% minimum tax idea. And instead, they're going to tinker with the AMT. And the budget did actually provide a fair amount of detail in terms of what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we quickly you know, gathered our spreadsheets and calculated what the impact might be. And one of them was... Well, there's three impacts that we're a little worried about, but we still didn't have any draft legislation. So we didn't get too excited because we wanted to look at the draft legislation first. So fast forward, because the federal budget came out in uh, March of this year, 2023. I can't remember the date actually nope, off the top of my head. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but fast forward to a couple weeks ago, Kenneth. August 4th. August 4th, exactly two weeks ago from when we're recording this, because we're recording this on August the 18th. Uh, And the draft legislation for these AMT proposals were released. And so behind the scenes, we've been frantically looking at the details. And we're we're actually going to, as a firm, release uh, a detailed blog on this next week so by the time this podcast gets released we should have the blog as well but for focus on one aspect of the impact mostly yeah focus on charitable donations so so let's talk about the three impacts that are obvious that we're concerned about so the three are charitable giving um, capital gains realizations and the impacts on trust so let's talk about those three Uh, so kenneth what's the problem that we see you know the tax community was worried that charitable giving would be impacted when the federal budget came out in let's I think it was March of this year, mm-hmm. and I think we've now confirmed with the draft legislation that yeah we did have a a reason to be concerned. So maybe just describe what we and others in the tax community have mm-hmm. have found. Right, and I mean, maybe before I go into that uh, that adverse impact, maybe we should start with. Uh, part of the amendment is that they also increase the threshold from $40,000 to one, about $173,000 before right. AMT tax would apply. Right. And that actually is a very important change and, and actually favorable to most taxpayers in, in Canada. Yeah, it will, that, it'll eliminate most of the lower to middle income people, right? right? So, so, so it's important to, to preface that uh, before we talk about the adverse impact to say that if in a year your min, your income calculated under the, this minimum tax rules 
is is below one hundred seventy three thousand dollars or so, you will not be impacted by these rules, no matter how much preferential um, items you which take. Which is which is good. Which yeah. is good. Right? Yeah. Okay. So the first impact um, that we want to highlight is charitable donation. Under the new regime that is proposed to come out um, on or after January first, twenty twenty four, what they call uh, so. Personal tax credits that is allowed in the computational AMT will still be allowed, except that they will be cut in half. Which wasn't the case in the existing regime. Which was not the case because in the existing regime, they permit you to claim 100% of these personal credits. Right. So, for example, if I, if I have, if I made, as I have a million dollars of income, I'm allowed to donate uh, up to $750,000. I'm allowed to donate more. It's just that I can't claim any donation credit beyond, usually beyond 75% of my income. Uh, my donation credit for federal purposes at that high income level is 33%. So I, for regular income tax, I get the full uh, 33% multiplied by 750K of donation right. that I made. For my regular income tax, and I get the, under the existing rule, I get the same credit when I calculate my minimum tax for the under the AMT regime. But under the proposed regime, my uh, the the benefit of my donation tax credit is now cut in half when calculating the minimum tax. Which, again, that did not occur, and th- sorry, does does not occur under the existing regime. Uh, so if you make a charitable donation today, it's not cut in half for purposes of AMT, the, the tax credit. In 2023, it will not. Right. But in 2024, under these proposals, it is. So if you have a, if you make a million dollar charitable donation and you get uh, a $333,000 federal credit mm-hmm. because you get it most, all of that, I'm going to ignore the first $200, but the... Yeah, that that that's a significant credit. But what? So under the proposed AMT regime, you're now going to get half of that three thirty three uh, at call it one sixty seven if I'm doing math correct mm-hmm. uh, as a tax credit. And that is the heart of the concern uh, for high income earners or high or wealthy people that that make donations. Right. Um, so, so what's the conclusion here, Kenneth? Now, it. When we did the math, uh, we don't think it will impact those high-income individuals who are earning, who are earning highly taxed income, like, like salary, like salary, right, uh, or interest income or foreign dividend so income. Anything that's fully taxed should be fine. Should be fine, and that's because of the mechanic of the calculation of the AMT. Right. Because it, let's say salary, even even with only half the donation credit, the minimum tax you calculate should still be less than your regular income tax right. after the regular donation. What if you have a high income earner, though, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden uh, you know, has lots of investment income, like dividend income or capital gains, and we're going to talk about capital gains here shortly. Mm-hmm. Now what? Now, because dividend income and capital gain are already preferential item that went under the... So, for example, capital gain. Capital gain is half included in income right. for regular income tax calculation. Uh, but for minimum tax calculation, is fully included in income. 
under the proposed under the proposed rules. Yeah, and then um, combine that with the donation credit being cut in half for the minimum tax calculation. You will for that individual, it, they will end up having calculated a minimum amount for AMT purposes that's higher than their 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 regular income, right? Regular income tax, and as a result. For those individuals who earn, who, who income comprised mostly of capital gain and Canadian dividend income, if they then try to reduce the tax by making donations, uh, and they're, they're in high, like high net worth brackets, then high income bracket, they will likely be subject to some, uh, AMT. Right. Yep. On top of their income tax. So, and then the question becomes, will they be able to recover the AMT in the next seven years with if they continue to have those preferential uh, sources of income. And, and, and preferential deduction that right. they may not be able to, and it becomes a permanent tax. Right. So that's something we have to really, really be careful about. So that's a nice segue. So I guess the conclusion on charitable donations is you got to watch it. you got to look at your sources of income mm-hmm. and uh, be aware that this is significant. It's very, very significant. So let's talk about capital gains, Kenneth, um, as, as the second concern. What's our concern with capital gains? We all know that in Canada, capital gains are half taxable, uh, which the federal rate on uh, is 33% is the normal rate, but cut that in half for capital gains, it's 16%, uh, you know, uh, 16.5% roughly. So what are they doing with the proposals that cause us concern on capital gains? So I think under the existing regime, uh, capital gain are... I think 80% yes, included 80% in the included. AMT calculation. Yep. So, so for example, I have $1 million of capital gain for regular income tax. I pay tax on half of that capital gain. So I calculate my regular income tax on $500,000 of taxable capital gain. But when calculating AMT, I include $800,000 and then I subtract my, my minimum threshold right now, 40000 and I multiply it by the AMT rate of 15%. And if it's just that, I will usually end up with a min- minimum tax amount that is still lower than my regular income tax on my $500,000 of taxable capital gain. So I'm not actually subject to, to minimum tax today, even as a high income earner earning capital gain uh, yeah. that, 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 that so you're that- not claiming lifetime capital gain exemption on. So that's a, so that's certainly a big impact. They're increasing the inclusion from eighty to one hundred percent for AMT. But what now? now and now they're increasing it from eighty to one hundred percent. Right. But what's the bigger issue? And I've kind of already given it away here a little bit by talking about the tax rate. But what what else are they doing, Kenneth? The on, on the lifetime capital gain exemption. No, no. Like, okay. Well, I'll just you correct me if I'm wrong here. But so right now, when you calculate the AMT. Uh, they calculated a 15% rate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But now what they're doing... Is what, they're changing that rate. They're yeah. increasing it from 15 to 20.5. So what's the difference? Mm. You know, What's the impact there? So Give, let's do some quick math. Well, then. I already did it. Right? Okay. <laughs> because the capital gains rate federally is 16 and a half. 16.67. Mm-hmm. No, no, sorry, 16 and a half. I can't do that. And 16 and a half because the, the top federal income rate is 33, uh, is 33 yeah. before adding provincial rate. 33, and, and if half the capital gain is taxed, that, that means 16 and a half. Right, which is less than the 20 and a half rate that they're increasing it to for AMT purposes. Right. So 
if if you just have capital gains as uh, income, and you're way over the one hundred seventy three thousand, one hundred seventy three thousand threshold, then then you'll have AMT. Yes, because sixteen and a half is less than twenty point five. Right. So that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. So those two issues on capital gains that the that you've already mentioned, you did a great job of explaining going from an eighty percent inclusion rate for AMT purposes under current law to one hundred percent, and then now increasing the threshold rate for AMT from fifteen to twenty and a half. That those are big impacts mm-hmm. to the extent that, like you said, the exemption amount of one hundred and seventy three is. Uh, if you're dealing with somebody that's a, over that 173 exemption, yeah, which which happens on like many regular business people or, or farmers, a monetization they, they, event, they, right? Right, right. When someone wants to buy their the farm, the, the farm, right? Yeah, that, that's a that could be a three million dollar capital gain. So that, which you know, using that as an example, you could have AMT triggered as a result of this capital gain. You can get it back over seven years, but you got to have good sources of income, so-called good yeah. interest so, income or salary. Imagine so three million a farmer getting three million dollars. Yeah. Now he has no farm to live on. He will probably take a million dollars of that to buy a home. He will then probably buy a car, right? Probably left left with like one point eight million to to invest. It, that will probably what generate fifty k of investment income. That will not recover well the AMT over a seven year period. Yeah, I mean we can debate whether or not your math is correct in terms of, <laughs> but but you're absolutely right. It, it's the investment returns, and frankly, it'll be the income or sorry the interest income that you'd have to try to generate as good income in order to recover that AMT. I mean, I think the message here is you've got to be really really cognizant of of how you're going to recover this AMT. Right, and we haven't even talked about the lifetime capital gain exemption. If no, that farmer, haven't. like that farmer or small business owner on that sale event, claimed the lifetime capital gain exemption, which most likely they will be entitled to, their AMT will be even larger because their the regular income tax is reduced because yeah. of the lifetime capital gain exemption. So that AMT hit will be quite significant. Exactly. Almost. So we're getting. Uh past our usual time of length of podcast. So let's move on to the last impact that we see here, Kenneth. Trust. What's the big issue with trust? Mm-hmm. Most trusts that distribute all their income and don't have much loss carry forward or interest expense shouldn't be impacted. Right. However, the, the, the reason trust is so impacted is because trust has no uh, minimum threshold exemption from AMT. So the $40,000 under current law, trusts don't have that exemption. Unless you are a graduated rate estate. Right. But outside of that, no. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and under proposed law, that 40000 is being increased to one hundred seventy-three. There's nothing in the proposals that, that provide for the trust to get that one hundred seventy-three. Unless it is a qualified disability trust which is limited to um, trust created as a consequence of death and the beneficiary is disabled. Right. So so I guess it's not too surprising, Kenneth, that the draft legislation released on August the 4th didn't tinker with existing law to allow trust to have an exemption. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Because one, one can then multiply the exemption by creating multiple trusts, so I right. can see why they... I'm, they, I'm sure that's the, the policy intent of why they did that. Mm-hmm. 
which then encourages the distribution of trust income out to the beneficiaries. But it seems to me that that the increase in the tax rate from 15% to 20.5% uh, combined with this exemption is really, really going to impact certain types of trusts and the, its income distribution mm -hmm. uh, plans in the future. Because if you don't, like let's say a trust has a capital gain, mm -hmm. and let's say for some reason you want to tax that, that capital Inside gain the trust. trust. Let's say it has to because it is a some type of, you have a blended family. Yeah. And the intention always is only to distribute uh, investment income like interest and dividends to yeah. the one side of family and keep the capital and its growth for the other side of family. In that, in those situations, the trust deed may say that capital gain must be retained in the trust right. and be taxed in the trust. And, and now even if it is a $10,000 capital gain because there's no minimum threshold, uh, that trust will be subject to AMT. Right, and that's always a concern even today, right? I mean, because the trust doesn't have the $40,000 exemption if a trust realizes a capital gain, but... Yeah, yeah, but today the, the AMT rate is 15%, which is 15 less than 16.5, so right. most trusts still are not subject to AMT. Correct, yeah. on a capital gain event. Yep, but when you bump that rate to 20 and a half, wow, now all of a sudden all these trusts, if you do any kind of capital gains retention, could be significant AMT exposure. With really troublesome way, uh, like how are you going to get that AMT back? Right, because if that, for example, that trust I just described, that it is it it distributes all the investment income every year to that one side of family, it will not have regular income tax. You wrote a paper on this, Kenneth, with some uh, really good tax authors as well, Hugh Nielsen and who is your other one, uh, Henry Shu, yeah. uh, that was published in the Canadian Tax for Only Manager, uh, published by the Canadian Tax Foundation in the July 2023 edition. If there's Canadian Tax Foundation members listening to this, I'd really encourage you to read that that article that Kenneth and Hugh and and Henry wrote. It's phenomenal. Uh, I, I understand you got special permission to exceed the length of normal yeah, life yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, because it's, it's so much content. But one of the things you highlight in, in that article, you and your authors highlight, is that so-called prescribed rate loan trusts Mm -hmm. could be impacted. Maybe just quickly describe that, Kenneth, and right. then we'll basically shut this down. Um, not so distant history ago, uh, prescribed rate, uh, the, the rate, interest rate used to be low. And the prescribed rate from CRA was 1%. And that was the case, even the beginning of 2022, I think. And at that time, uh, and, be, and for a decade before that time, because uh, prescribed rate is so low, it was um, very popular, and we do that a lot. We do it a lot here too, is to have a high income person make a um, make a loan to a family trust, charging at least the CRA prescribed rate, which at that time is one percent, and then that trust uh, can use that money to invest in uh, publicly traded portfolio securities. And then that investment income can be distributed to family members with lower uh, marginal rates, and that was that. That is pretty much the only way nowadays after the, after the Tosi regime for families to do any kind of income splitting. So it's a pretty um, uh, popular vehicle. The now the problem is this: as part of the changes, proposed changes, uh, many type of expenses 
that is uh, um, that is allowed in claiming uh, in, in calculating AMT is now cut in half, and that includes interest expense. So let's make uh, uh, let's for example let's let's imagine uh, we did a one million dollar prescribed rate loan trust to prescribed rate loan to a trust charging one percent interest. So we got ten thousand dollars of interest. Ten thousand dollars that the trust incurs, and then the trust invested it, and this year in twenty twenty four. Uh, it made $15,000 of, say, interest income. Okay. So now it's accounting net income is $15,000 minus $10,000 of interest expense, and $10,000 because 1% of $1 million. Right. So all it has is $5,000 of positive net income in, uh, to distribute to the beneficiaries. So for regular income tax, there's no regular income tax inside the trust because there's no income left in the trust. But when you calculate AMT, interest is only half deductible. So you have $15,000 of interest income. You subtract the $5,000 you distributed to, a, to the beneficiaries. And, but when, you, when it comes to the interest expense, you only allow half. So now the trust has minimum amount for purpose of calculating AMT of 10,000 minus 5,000 interest expense. So it now has $5,000 of minimum amount subject to AMT, and AMT rate is 20.5%. Yeah, that's... So that's $1,000 AMT. The trust pretty much can never recover. Yeah, that's nutty. In my view, I don't know, Kenneth, I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but that's nutty. And it's all compounded because of the, that there's no $173,000 exemption. Yeah, no uh, exemption at all. At the all. Trust. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's intentional uh, because they probably said, oh, okay, we're not killing prescribed rate loan trust. We're just going to make you pay a little bit. More. If, if, if you're taking advantage of a prescribed rate loan trust to income split, you, you, we're, we're going to make you pay a little bit more. Which I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Because that's just a backhanded additional tax increase. But yeah. Well, talk about that. Like, it, that this, this whole thing is kind of a backhand, backhand, backhand way to increase capital gains rate, too. And, and that goes back to my original comment. If they if they don't like capital gains rate, the capital gains inclusion rate being taken advantage of by high income people, they could have just reduced, increased increased the capital gains inclusion rate for say people who have more than a million dollars of income in a year. They, they could have no. just it would be much simpler than a than tankering of AMT. Yeah, I think that, I think system. that's offensive on its own right, but uh, but but they but it's more offensive that they did it in a backhanded way that nobody realized, but they did the same thing yeah. pretty much. It's only geeks like you and I that uh, and others in the tax community that can figure this crap out. Uh, or or when when the taxpayer got a surprise and, and find out their capital gain actually is is, is now taxed. Right. 20.5 and not so 16 and a half. <laughs> so let's conclude, Kenneth. There's lots that we've talked about today. Overall, what's the message here? Overall, um, be careful as in if you have a client who has any kind of tax preferential item deduction or preferential income, um, you should properly advise the client uh, to just so that they expect that there may be an EMT impact and how much that impact would be so that it won't be a surprise. Right. That's, that's, that's the key. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Overall, keep your ear to the ground on this. If it does get passed into law, effective Jan 1, 2024 and forward, it will have significant impact on high income earners with respect to realization of um, 
you know, preferential income, capital gains, dividend income, and combine that with charitable giving, and the trust impacts that we talked about. So need to be aware. Mm-hmm. All, so, all clients who have significant interest expense right. under certain uh, planning arrangement. Right. Okay, well, good stuff, Kenneth. Thanks very much. A little troubling, obviously, but uh, thanks very much. And uh, until next time, have a great day. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.